I kind of even like when it's sort of echoey and a bit, you know, it's guerrilla radio, you know, it's got a sort of ambience to it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> You're listening to In Situ Science. I'm your host, James O'Hanlon, and on In Situ Science, we get to meet different scientists and find out about the discoveries they make and the stories behind them. This week, I'm joined by a roboticist, an explorer, and entrepreneur, Dr. Nasir Hassan. Nasir, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks, James. <laughs> Pleasure being here. Now, important question first up. Mm-hmm. If you were to pick a favorite, would you pick The Abyss, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, or The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou? Uh, 20,000 Leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Sounds more exploratory. Really? Have you yeah. seen The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou? No, I haven't. Actually. I really, no. you should definitely see it. Right. <laughs> Are you a Wes Anderson fan? Uh, no. So he's the guy that directed it, and he made you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Royal Tenenbaums and very right. artsy hipster movies. And it's essentially almost like a piss take on Jacques Cousteau and oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those sorts of personalities. But I ask because you're you're a marine explorer, yeah, and you're the CEO of a company called Abyss Solutions, right? So you've obviously spent a lot of time pitching your company. So here's your chance, the thirty second elevator pitch, right? Um, so as you all would know, um, global infrastructure is aging, mm-hmm. and it's beca- and it has accumulated to an extent where it's extremely difficult to rebuild everything. Um, so one of the most urgent priorities for the world today is to get the most of life out of their assets. Um, and the only way to do that is if you continuously monitor them and fix out any problems that you can you know, pro- detect early before they progress to, to maturity. Mm-hmm. Abyss Solutions, uh, and where we come from, we're very interested in underwater infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Underwater infrastructure is prone to biofouling, corrosion, and a lot of other problems. So we're talking um, dams, dams reservoirs, yeah. oil, um, you know, um, oil rigs, fixed-like platforms, subsea gas pipelines, ships, ship propellers, hulls, mm-hmm. ports, so on and so forth. So the only way you can pick up problems is if you regularly monitor them and uh, keep a close eye on them. Mm-hmm. And the current ways of doing that are using divers um, or manned robots, with divers being most of the cases. Um, divers can only be submerged for a limited period of time and have a very limited footprint, mm-hmm. visual footprint. They can't collect much data. It's very difficult for them to precisely geolocate where they, when they find something interesting. All of this really makes it difficult to proactively detect problems in a timely manner. Yeah. Man robots overcome some of the safety uh, limitations of divers. However, um, they um, are very difficult to maneuver, and they also have visual limited, limited visual footprints. Again, making it difficult to um, to navigate across an entire site and get a bird's eye view of what's happening. So, Biz Solutions addresses these problems by making autonomous robots, developing autonomous robots that can traverse an entire site, collect images over the entire area, come back, even in uh, and come back and tell you exactly where the problems are. One of the specializations of Abyss Solutions is to image in dirty environments or turbid environments, mm-hmm. uh, which are common to port area ports or dams and so on and so forth. 
Um, our data products enhance the ability for asset owners to do condition assessment in a timely, cost-effective manner. This is a pretty disruptive idea yeah. that, is, uh, that is growing, and um, asset owners recognize um, the merits of this technology, and therefore are working with us on it. You've definitely practiced this pitch, haven't you, lots? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you, I mean, you talk about autonomous robots. So you're talking drones. Uh, kind of. So yeah, we're all used to this. Yeah, the colloquial term drones. would be drones. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 um, uh, being a technical guy. <laughs> yeah. We typically, we've typically got very um, uh, specific names for them. Like uh, autonomous boat would be a uh, autonomous surface vessel. Mm. Um, autonomous underwater vehicle or remotely operated vehicle, so mm. that's an AUV versus an ROV. But in the common language, they're all drones. Yeah. yeah. So you're sending these drones, these autonomous robots, yeah. underwater to inspect infrastructure, yeah. and yeah. you're not putting divers at risk or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So, what we're, I mean, when you say autonomous robots, I'm picturing space AG submarines with arms and Faces. What? That's kind of where we're going. Here, really. That's kind of where we're going. <laughs> right now, they just have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, typically, an underwater robot um, is going to be um, a metallic case mm-hmm. with an electronics rig on it. That's got a you know onboard computer that can control the motors, mm-hmm. the the lights, the propellers, and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. and can communicate and relay data back to the ground station. Um, for the near future, our robots are going to be tethered. Mm-hmm. Even though they're going to be semi-autonomous, they're going to be tethered. Um, letting go of the tether is, is, is always a... You, you can't trust yeah. your little, <laughs> little critters it's to come take back a, home It's going to take a bit longer before we can start trusting that. Oh, really? <laughs> um, however, there are a lot of autonomous vehicles that are not tethered that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're more designed for um, you know just following waypoints. Mm-hmm. Navigating over the seabed or open waters mm-hmm. you know, where they're not confined spaces where they you know they don't have to typically go through the braces in a fixed leg platform or something like that um so yeah i mean we'd like to keep our tether for on for a while <laughs> now when i first heard about abyss solutions it was at a pitch night yeah and you're you and a bunch of other companies were you know, pitching your business ideas and ventures to to investors and you know i don't come from a business background so it's pretty eye-opening for me because Lots of these people were talking about you know, increasing market share by this much and assets by this much. And everybody was very excited about all these numbers going up. And I had no <laughs> idea what they were talking about. I mean, lots of them I actually didn't know what their businesses did because they were talking about back-to-back services for something or other. And yeah. I didn't quite know what they were selling. But when you got up and you pitched to Biz Solutions, you... Um. <laughs> talked about your passion for exploration yes I and did. you talked about your background in marine exploration and you obviously have a real passion for exploration itself oh certainly you I remember you told a story about actually having the opportunity to work on a rig that was going into in, uh, a deep sea exploration yeah. discovering you know, areas of the sea floor yeah that nobody on Earth had ever seen before. That's, what's that like? So um, that was on the exploration vessel Nautilus. Mm-hmm. It's run by Dr. Bob Ballard um, for the Ocean Exploration Trust, mm-hmm. um, based in Rhode Island. Um, 
So I was lucky enough to get a reference through my supervisor, who is a professor of marine robotics, Stephen mm-hmm. Williams, very well-known name within Australia and globally, mm-hmm. um, one of the pioneers when it comes to autonomous robots. And he was working very closely with Chris Roman on the other side at Rhode Island. And um, so they were looking for a navigator, and this was in 2014, and I think one of their navigators didn't show up didn't show up so I, I I asked Steph if I could go and mm-hmm. Steph put my name forward and all of a sudden I was going <laughs> and then um, it was really exciting so um, so uh, what happened was um, it was around September to October when mm-hmm. I was on, on the ship I boarded in Grenada in the Caribbean mm-hmm. and, um, and and we sailed around the Caribbean Sea for couple of weeks and then we went over to the Atlantic for about a couple of weeks uh, off the coast of Trinidad and Tobago. So what what were they looking for? So basically the idea was um, to, we were exploring hydrothermal vents in the Caribbean Sea Mm -hmm. um, and mud volcanoes in the Atlantic. And the reason why we're looking for that is because that's where the source of methane comes out from and comes from and there's a whole, you know, you expect to find life around there. Mm -hmm. And Nautilus is basically their mission is to explore and mm-hmm. unveil the oceans. Ninety-five percent of which um, haven't been explored, mm-hmm. and they cover seventy percent of the world's surface. So um, there's a lot of unknown that we don't know what's you know that, that's happening down there. So the best places to look in these vast swaths of emptiness uh, mm-hmm. are, are are these hot spots of life, which are hydrothermal vents. Yeah, um, and. Um, so when we were in the Atlantic and we were descending, it was a very long descent, um, about four hours or three hours. We went down about four kilometers. So you weren't you weren't in a submarine or anything. No, you I was. I was. I was on the. Yeah. I was in the control <laughs> room, and the robot was um, unmanned. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a bunch of arms, a whole bunch of sensors, laser spectrometers, and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things. Um, grab some, you know grab samplers um, and, and a bunch of other things and the idea was to find a hotspot of life um, so what we did was we used uh, the sonar to pick up some methane bubbles mm-hmm. up at the surface and then we were randomly tracking you know tracking them down all okay. the way and we got to the bottom and we found uh, when we got to the bottom we lost track of them somewhere close to the bottom yeah. but then we drove around well we uh, dived around for mm-hmm. a bit that's really interesting. So you weren't just, you know, going down and seeing what happens. You actually had clues. Yeah, yeah. You have to. It's, it's exploration. You got yeah. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's happening, and mm. you just have to use, you know, these these clues to kind of find the mm. place. And and so when we got to the bottom, it was completely, you know, dark. And well, obviously, it's four kilometers beneath the water surface, and 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 we could see boulders and just, you know, bare seabed drove around for a bit and then all of a sudden uh, this football sized field of, of muscle beds mm-hmm. uh, popped up in front of us and then there was a whole life pyramid of life that was growing on top of it and there were there were, there were little crustaceans that were feeding off the methane bubbles and mm-hmm. you know or, you know even microorganisms and then the crustaceans feeding on them and then the crabs feeding on them and then the mm-hmm. fish feeding on them and then there was a shark roaming around somewhere as well. That was pretty deep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a there was a octopus, a purple octopus. I remember seeing. <laughs> and you know, nobody's been there before. Mm. 
So when you see something like that, and 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 you've never, um, you know, and you know nobody's ever been there before. Mm. It's uh, it's 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 what it's what I live for. I mean, so now with the big solutions, you're encouraging people to explore with you know an applied purpose. You know, on something like this trip, you're exploring for exploration's sake. You know, yeah. Like, how do I reconcile do you, the two? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> I thought about that for a long time. See, the thing is, you need a lot of money mm. to get a vessel. It's about, what, $60,000 a day or $50,000 of diesel a day <laughs> just for a 60-meter vessel. Mm. And then it goes you know, way beyond that. So these are fairly expensive operations. Um, I think that um, it's very difficult on a charitable basis just to, you know, and that's my opinion, just mm. to just to be able to run such an operation and develop the necessary technology required to expand it, mm-hmm. right? You can always take charity and run around and, you know, look at a few places or, or on the other side, that's another model of, 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 of running a show like this. You, you know, you could, you, could, you could take grant money from scientists and do their work, mm-hmm. you know, be kind of their horse ride into... You know, out into the open waters. Uh, my model was a bit different. I wanted to develop the tech. So when I came back from that mission, I was like, "Man, it's sensors. The sensors are the next step that mm. they're going to open up. There's so much more we can see. There's so much more we can do." It was the sensors that was really getting to me. Okay. And 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 so I got back and I called up Masood and I said, "Masood is my co-founder." I said, "Dude, I think." We really gotta push further. I think sensors. Mo- the robots are only a mobile device mm. for these sensors. I think that's where the real stuff is. Mm. If we can see farther, we can open up more, mm. right? So, what better way to fund research for this kind of stuff mm. than to find clients to do this? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I've always believed that Abyss is going to have a very strong R and D wing, mm-hmm. and that's where the exploration part is going to come out. Yeah. So, and. That's what Abyss has been doing, is developing the, the sensors themselves? Yeah. Or, yeah. So, so the sensors are, we're developing some of the sensors, we're fusing some other sensors. It's a mixture mm-hmm. along the hierarchy. So, you know, developing the optical sensors, you know, getting better data products by fusing multiple sensors like sonars and, and visual, mm-hmm. visual sensors and other stuff like that. Um, and, and, and that's basically the key focus. So if you come and look at our you know, tech development plan. It's mm-hmm. very. It's not as much about the robot as much as it is about the sensors mm-hmm. that go on the robot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, so tomorrow, what I expect is robots with much more agile arms, much better eyes, much better noses. Mm-hmm. Um, that can not only um, you know that will be capable of doing work underwater, mm-hmm. laying pipelines, drilling, doing all that kind of stuff. Imagine how much infrastructure they could build mm. for exploration as well. So I keep getting pushed into sewage. I keep getting pushed into pipelines. I never, I don't go much into that direction because it's always taking me away from the exploration aspect. I want to always be able to find applications in the open water because mm. that's those problems will relate to the exploration task. Well, I mean, I guess this is the quandary that you're in now is that you're in a, a client-based yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. Do you... Still feel? Do you still get to feel like you're exploring? Ah, <sighs> that's a good question. Not right. yet. Not that much yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, 
I'll take my word back on that. Um, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. You got to get the job done. You're there yeah. to you're there to do a job. So mm-hmm. that's that's the first thing. The objective of the job is not to look at new creatures. Mm. But I do um, use that as an opportunity to look around. You know, how often do you get to see that? <laughs> Looking at um, you know parts of the dam wall that nobody's seen before. Um, mm. We discovered the capacity of the dam. Is, you know, it has gone up by quite a bit. Mm. Up, gone down by quite a bit. You know, things like these that nobody's seen or done before in a hundred years. Mm. So, um, you know, and it's going to get even more exciting because we're moving in towards uh, ports and then oil and gas. Right. So, um, so oil and gas is going to present us with a lot of problems that, you know, will help us do a bit more exploration. The problems in terms of the scale yeah, that you're dealing exactly, with. Yeah, exactly. Right. You want to be able to map larger areas, look at larger areas, um, do work, mm. lay down, you know, the same arms that we can use to build things is the same mm. arms that we can use to, um, to, to lay, you know, say 10 years down the line, we would have robots that would be able to build marine hubs, okay, yeah. for scientists, yeah. for monitoring, for different purposes. Mm. How else would you get to that point? Um, so, um, purely exploration is, is what I want, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's more to it that needs to be done. And, the machinery for it, I believe, is going to be better in mm. commercial setting. So what sort of clients are you mostly dealing with at the moment? So we're talking about, in the water sector, we're talking about you know, state, state um, water agencies mm-hmm. like you know, um, Water New South Wales or Water Corp Australia. In uh, the ports and maritime, we're talking again about government um, departments like mm-hmm. uh, Port of Brisbane, Port, of, you know, uh, Bot- Port Botany, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, and then when it comes to oil and gas, we're talking about clients like um, Shell, Chevron, All right. um, you know, and so on and so forth. So yeah. it's it's a wide variety. You're of definitely clients. on the trajectory of starting small and then yeah, going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not that easy to make a stepping into the offshore market right away. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it this way: I had like we had like a thousand bucks each. There were four founders. The first day when we started this company, I said, okay, we're going to put a thousand bucks down. And with that, we started. (laughs) I mean, that was going to be my next question. You have an idea. Then what? How the (laughs) hell do you go from, I have this neat idea to, I own a company that does it successfully. Talking to, you know, someone in science that isn't in the entrepreneur space. And this isn't an everyday thing for me. So I was a scientist. Mm -hmm. I came from academia. Yeah. Um, at heart, I'm still a scientist. Um, you just, you, you just got to take the step. You, you can't, you know, everybody I've met that has been thinking about, quote-unquote, thinking about starting a company just mm. keeps thinking. You just got to start. You got to mm. go. You get at the forums. You register your company. You start it. You put in some money. Yeah. You quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> you quit your job oh be ready for this because you're going to have to go get another job pretty soon because you're not going to make money right away yeah. you're going to run out of money but you got to quit first to get it started and then once it starts mm. then your heart's kind of already in it yeah so uh, it takes about two years year and a half depends a year to two years before any money starts trickling in so you got to be ready for that mm. 
Um, I did a whole bunch of things. Yeah. And I ended up back in a postdoc. <laughs> and then, then I had to quit the postdoc because, um, you know, the company really needed me and uh, it was just time to take it forward. Mm. Um, and your first goal should be to feed you, you know, to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. You should you should keep commercialization. I mean, earn you know making making revenue as a lot of startups start and then they don't think they think about building the product first. They think mm. about other things. No, you don't do that. That you don't do. You go out there, you make money with whatever you have. Mm. You don't sit there and waste your money building something. You build something when you have money. Mm-hmm. You make money first, then you build things. So you went through some startup you know, incubators and yeah. course and things like that, but even to get to that stage, you were probably already in it for quite a while, right? About eight months. Yeah. About eight months. That's, a, that's shorter than I expected, actually. Yeah. So actually what happened was, because we had um, pretty interesting backgrounds, a mm. lot of people were like, and we were university-oriented, mm. so the best thing was Incubate Sydney, I don't know if you've heard of that, mm. it's an incubator at University of Sydney. Um, they sniffed, like... You know, were they, we were we were referred to that program okay. by some of the professors that were acquainted with it. Yeah, um, and they kept on telling us, "You guys are academics. You don't know anything about business. You need commercial guidance." Mm. And thankfully, fortunately, in Australia, there is a very good infrastructure for that. You know, kind of stuff. So there's a lot of incubators and accelerators. So we listened. We weren't really succeeding with our venture when we were at it on our own. So we got into the incubator. The first thing we did was pivot. Because mm. the first time when we got into this business, we, um, I, to, I, I told my founders, I said, look, we got to start somewhere closer to home. Otherwise, you know, if you want to go straight offshore, we don't even have the capital, capacity, we're just going to suffocate. Mm. So let's start looking at smaller, simpler things closer to home, like hot water tanks. Or, so we chased a client down. Hot water tank. We made little robots about 15 <laughs> millimeters wide to go look inside a hot water tank. Like residential hot yeah. water tank. Wow. We could we could tell you know, we could tell when your tank is old and you're spending more than you should. Mm. When you should replace it. How many cows you're killing? How many trees you're burning up? <laughs> it was a perfect product. <laughs> but the incubator helped us realize that there was no market for it. See, really? they bring they brought in the commercial sense. So, University of Sydney, um, uh, the incubator really helped us a lot. Um, James Alexander, Mike Nichols, these were great guys. We pivoted uh, when the results of a survey, market survey came out, and mm-hmm. I was like, that's it, Masood. We go. We're pivoting. I'm not staying. He's like, we've spent eight months on this. Screw it. I don't care. So pivot just for non-business-minded people, pivoting is changing the direction of the company. Of the company. Yeah. Could be even by 180 degrees. <laughs> okay. And that's what we did. And I said, hey, let's go look for some clients. I remember Propeller Aero, those guys at ATP, they were talking about Sydney Water, mm-hmm. needing some, some work done on, on, on a, something. And let's go meet up with them. We met up with them. They referred us to some guys at Sydney Water. We went up there and we walked out with a client. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the paperwork took a bit longer, but... Uh, it's you a know. pretty significant client. Yeah, it is. Great. I know. From Hot Water Systems. Uh, so... We saw, you know, so they, um, that was, that was a really good start. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, everybody started noticing Abyss Solutions. And mm-hmm. here we are, a team of 13 people now. Um, tech is getting developed. Business development is on, you know, full on fire. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's fun. So, I mean, on this podcast, I talk to a lot of scientists, which means I talk to a lot of academics. Yep. 
And I guess they are they are in a little bubble sometimes yeah. and can be or can feel a little bit trapped. Mm-hmm. Almost. And so would you say that it really does take being pushed to the edge and actually quitting? Look, to, um, you know, get out of that sphere and I've been I've been an academic for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I'm dressed like an academic. <laughs> I uh, talk like an academic and I did not <laughs> I did not want to dress. <laughs> Shorts and thongs. Okay, got it. <laughs> and um, I still like dressing like that. Um, the the academic world is a very good world to be in. Yeah, it's, it's you know you're working on interesting problems. It's great. Um, the environment is relaxed, um, and just the atmosphere of the university is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very it's a very um, for for people that want to try to get out, it could be a golden cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get out of it, you have to you have to um, you have to make some hard decisions. Um, mm. And the best way to do that is to get yourself hooked on the other end. You don't have to quit your job. Just go register your company, mm. um, get a few partners, get them. You know, put some initial money into it, mm. get some skin in the game. Okay, so that it becomes more than an idea. Mm. Now pick up the phone, call up a couple of people, just just start seeing what response you get. Just before you invest any money, mm. um, apart from that little initial amount to get the skin in the game, to get you an inter- you know, to get you a website or whatever, um, you know, just 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 start talking to clients, just start talking to people, and seeing what your idea, you know, what what could you possibly do? Mm. And you'd be very surprised. But eventually, you do need to cut, quit your job. Mm. You got to be ready for that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a balance. I mean, it's sometimes you go cold turkey. Sometimes <laughs> you don't go cold turkey. It depends on your problem. I mean, it, from the outside, it kind of looks like it's a very similar thing. You're in academia. You have an idea. Yeah. You convince people to give you money to pursue it. Yep. And then you do it with whatever except, assets. You except have. you don't own any of it. <laughs> It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> Even the university owns the IP after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so you think you went in? I mean, with the skills and the mindset to do it already because of your academic. Actually, with me, it was a bit of a funny story because I was so sucked into my postdoc, mm. um, and you know, having struggled through a PhD, it was a financial breath of air um, you know I didn't want it to finish because I was like oh you know I could have but with the mining industry going down um, you know Rio Tinto closed the coal project and when I got back from Nautilus I had a few days and I had to you know wrap up and, and leave and I thought this was a good opportunity to to, to try out so if you get an opportunity like that don't don't miss it Mm. Spend six, seven months. Don't worry about it. Just spend six, seven months um, trying to start up a company. And I did. And I got something moving and going. And uh, obviously, I needed some money. Mm. So I had to get a proper job because I was getting really tired and it wasn't turning. <laughs> Look, you got a couple of silver bullets yeah. in your gun. So you got to shoot them in, in the right direction because if you don't, you're never going to be able to do it again. It's mm. very, very hard work. So, and you can't do it part time. Mm. You got, you got to, you know, if you really wanted to work, you can, you can test the idea part time. But if you wanted to work, you have to go cold turkey. There's no other way to do it. Is that like a 
the solutions mean? I don't know. 6 November 2014 is when we registered the company. Somewhere in October 2015, we pivoted. Mm-hmm. And here we are since October 2015, about a year and a few mm-hmm. months. So, stupid question. Do you still kind of as a startup? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're we're in the growth stage now. Yeah, because uh, we've got clients, we've got revenue coming in, and here's something for the academics: you'd be very surprised at how fast things move in the commercial world. Before you even know it, you're going to be somewhere else in a year's time. I, I took a little stint out of academia and worked in private companies and. Things my mind <laughs> how fast money went back and forth and how fast decisions were made exactly and how much autonomy you were given just exactly. to, to get stuff done exactly exactly <laughs> exactly my point to my fellow academics out there but look I think if you've got if you've got fire if you've got that feeling in you you know you you can that I've got I've got to get I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm meant to do this mm-hmm. don't look back mm-hmm. don't look back just go You'll get there. <laughs> Just go. And that's where you are. No regrets. Yeah. yeah. No regrets. I'm very happy. <laughs> very happy. And, um, you know, I mean, like, um, it's, it's, it's a very fast-moving world, as you, as, you, mm. as you also mentioned. It's, um, it doesn't take long before you're somewhere else. Mm. You'll be ending up with a three-year postdocs. And you'll still be a postdoc in the end. <laughs> but, with, you know, it's, it's, it's slow. Mm. It, I mean, it, it has its own merits that that direction. But if you think this is for you, then this is pretty fast moving. All right. Yeah. Well, if people are interested in finding out more about Abyss Solutions, mm-hmm. they just head to the website. They head to the website, and mm-hmm. we've got our Twitter, and we've got our um, Facebook, and we've got our LinkedIn. Okay, so AbyssSolutions.com is it? dot com AbyssSolutions dot co dot co. Yeah. Okay. That's what That's the S is. Good point. <laughs> 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 and then from there they can check it out and you check out YouTube the rest of it, and yeah. YouTube and Twitter and everything yeah alright well I should probably let you go and get back to building robots thanks a lot James <laughs> alright thanks for listening no if you want to check out in situ science you can go to insituscience.com we're also on Twitter with the handle at insituscience thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time That was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't too bad? No, that was a really good question.